Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael and I'm here tonight with my favorite co-host and yours, the Caleb G. Caleb, say hello to everyone. Hey everybody, how you doing? It's been a long time. Been too long, my friend. Too, too long. Uh, But we are here tonight for a review episode. This is going to be the reviews episode 26. And we're here to actually take a look at a new game called Death in Space that was created by Christian Plogforce and Carl Niblis. And I'm sorry to both of you because I'm sure that's terrible. Um, Out of the publishing house Stockholm Cartel. And it's actually being published by Free League under the Free League Workshop sub-label, which I didn't know about until this game came across my radar, which is where Free League publishes a game that was not created by their designer. So it's not an in-house game, uh, which I think is actually super cool. They were nice enough to send us a PDF copy of the game for review considerations. I kind of went onto the Discord and was like, hey, who wants to review this game? Caleb was like, I do. And seems like we had a pretty good match in game to a reviewer because we'll display it here. You loved this this game, right? I absolutely love this game. It's not for everybody, but if you are the target audience of this game, you will absolutely adore it. All right. So now that we've spoiled the ending, let's walk through some <laughs> of the, the boring stuff here. So one of the first things I think sticks out about this game is sort of, I'm going to lump together art and style. It's a striking, because we have the PDF copy, obviously, mm-hmm. but just looking at the PDF, it's, it, it is a striking uh, cover and then just the art throughout. Uh, one thing is obviously it's printed on black paper which is a bold choice. I've seen some other games that have done that recently. I think Alien, the RPG, did that as well. But again, once again, you were a big fan of this. So we'll talk a little bit about the art and, and the style that you, uh, you know, what is it about it that, that stuck to you or stuck out to you? So the style of this book is, like you said, very bold. The art is gorgeous. Uh, the style and the art, I think, are married hand in hand to evoke that very desperate edge of civilization, barely surviving tone that this game is about. The second you pick up this book, and I say pick up figuratively because I'm looking at a PDF, this book tells you it's kind of scary. It's pitch black. The art is striking in very bold colors, but not primary bold. They are toned down, but they stand out against the black background. Um, My eyes are pretty sensitive. I normally read in a night mode digitally anyway. So this Mm -hmm. book is pre-done in night mode. (laughs) It didn't bother me. Some night mode stuff does still bother my eyes. So, you know, kind of a word of warning to the reader out there. But the, the colors, the art, some of the art you can barely see. Uh, And that's very intentional. Some of it, the art is black on black. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Some of the art is uh, incredibly pale and it stands out. Uh, Again, it's very evocative. This book is a mood, is a vibe. And the book tells you that visually from the second you see it. Um, I don't own the physical book. I might be picking up a copy simply because... There is a holographic cover, and I've seen Mm -hmm. the picture on the website. I saw it on the Kickstarter. It looks slick. 
So I think I'm going to be buying that when I'm able to. <laughs> I, I believe nice. it's coming into to it's either in pre-order right now. I don't remember from the website. It was last I saw that it was um, they, they were sending the print order in. Uh, so I assume uh, you know the first copies should be coming in. I don't know where they're printing in because this is in uh, for free league. So I think it actually might be like. UK, Sweden. I think is it is coming out of out of the European area at some point. Yeah. But I definitely want a copy of this book whenever it's available. I want that hollow copy. It is gorgeous. All right. Now, the next thing that we want to talk about here is the tone of the game. And, you know, again, you, you, you previewed this by saying this isn't a game for everyone. I think the book does that itself because the name of the game is Death in Space. Yes. It's not life in space. <laughs> it's death in space is what you're signing up to play. And I get the feeling, again, from talking to you, because I've only skimmed the uh, PDF. You've read it in detail for the review, that it's a pretty bleak sort of setting, right? Yes, absolutely. So. Just to touch on it mechanically first and then kind of come around the horn to answer your question. Sure. Mechanically, this is a very lethal game. Um, hit points are single digits for most of the time and weapons are much more than single digits. So a little bit of verisimilitude, I guess, in a game we could say that. A little bit of realism. Getting shot will probably kill you. This mm-hmm. is a game where... You want to talk your way out of a fight. Fighting is a last resort. Um, The setting of the game, very bleak, very edge of humanity. This game is set in a a system, a galaxy that has been devastated by war. Uh, The war is over, but the impacts of the war continue. And life is barely hanging on life is all about survival you are living hand to mouth as they say you are scrapping by this is not star trek with with the shiny hope of civilization this isn't star wars even where you still have civilization this is raw survival one of the taglines of this game is nothing is new And that is reflected in some mechanics, which we can talk about later, and I talked about it briefly in my review. Um, There's basically no resources. Uh, But yet a core part of the story, a part of the game, is repairing your ship, repairing your equipment, making sure you have enough fuel, enough oxygen. Yet nothing is new. So your ship, your weapons, your clothes, it is all scrapped Together, It is stuff that has been rebuilt and repaired time and time and time again. So yeah, this game tells you from the very beginning, it is about survival. It is about desperate negotiation. It is about scraping a living out of the jaws of death and defeat. This is not a game for everybody. Um, Right. Beyond the... lethality of the mechanics, which not everybody is on board for. Um, There's there's elements of political thriller. Um, There's elements of uh, like trying to navigate and negotiate, uh, you know, different political factions on the main space station Um, and not necessarily politics, but, you know, groups of survivors clinging together that have created their own – hierarchy of survival and you're not necessarily part of those groups so do you negotiate with them do you buy from them 
uh, a huge component of this game are contracts. Okay. It's, and it's debt. It, mm. Literally starting uh, to play the game, you are in debt, arriving on a space station. The book tells you you're here, you're in debt. How are you going to survive? Because people want to collect their paycheck from you. So right. the, the starting of the game just flat out tells you you got to find work. That work may be money. That work or may pay you in money. It might pay you in a promise of new equipment or fuel. So there's a lot of checks and balances. There's a lot of hard choices to make. Do I take this job and get some dollars in my pocket? Or do I take this job that has the potential of leading me to another job if I get into someone's good favor? Or do I take mm -hmm. a third job that the guy claims he's going to give me a fuel depot and I can fill my tanks for the first time in two years, but is it even legit? So there's right. a lot of hard choices to make. Um, I say this in the article. You got to have a strong session zero. You got to have good communication <laughs> at the table. Um this is a game about tough choices, about consequences. I'm, I can easily see a lot of uh, conniving, under the table, double crosses. This is a game where your players have to be on board with you to accept that kind of thing and roll with the punches of what might happen with a terrible roll of the die. Right. So I guess the, the thing that I'm, not struggle with, but just interested in is like, you know, you sit down and play a game of D&D, &D, for example, you're pretty much going to be like heroic high fantasy heroes. You're going to go on adventures. You're going to probably kill things, take their stuff, you know, depends on the GM, of course, but that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the base model. Sure. So in this game, what does an adventure, what does a session look like? Is it literally just head above water, keep flying, a firefly, keep flying, yeah. get the next job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so part of character creation is creating where you live. And it doesn't expressly state this in the book, but I think this is best done as the group at the table. You all create your characters individually and then collectively create where you live. The book tells you okay. it is either a patched together, barely operating space station that you can dock to the main living area of civilization, or it's a barely patched together spaceship. And this is a, a bucket of bolts either way. And yeah, literally a, a, your typical game session, at least under my interpretation of the rules, is how do we survive? How do we get food to last to tomorrow? How do we get fuel for the next mission? Oh, darn, our ship exploded. How do we repair it? Can we repair it? Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of fiddly bits in the rules like you can add components to your ship or your space station different modules to do different things okay so they may lead you to different types of jobs so let's say you had a module that was focused on like high security say it was a vault or something maybe through role playing that could lead you to a job of someone wanting to secure an item or private information or move someone securely from point A to point B. If you didn't have that module, you may not be able mm -hmm. to take that job. Uh, so there's different things like that. Um, it seems a little bit uh, like just normal day to day. It's just that it happens to be in space. It happens to be everyone's barely surviving. Oh, and sometimes there's really spooky cosmic 
horror monsters that creep up and maybe you're going crazy. Oh, and maybe there's also a killer robot. (laughs) So I'll admit, like, I'm definitely getting like Firefly vibes, but I think, because I I do love Firefly. Joss Whedon apparently is a garbage human, but I still love that show. But even Firefly was like more funny. And, you know, but I think that they sort of, like that was the show within that world, but the world itself was pretty dour. But I mean, even yeah. that, I don't know if that's a great touchdown, but there are certain episodes like the episodes where their ship breaks down yes. and then the people who are offering to help them actually try to kill them and take yes. the ship. And then the one where the lady, I can't remember her name, like tries to send them through this thing that was going to kill everybody so they can scrap the ship. Yes. So there certainly are episodes of Firefly that I feel like are, are good touchstones where other ones, like when they go to the core worlds and you know, it's, beautiful, everybody's happy type of thing probably isn't. So would you say that those those episodes of Firefly are a good touchstone or no? Yes. So take the we're about to die episodes of Firefly, add in I I've never watched this show, but from commercials, think like like uh gangs of anarchy. Like okay. like street gangs. Like we're a group of people who support each other but we're also going to try to kill everybody else that that level of social interaction and then throw in some cosmic horror then throw in sci-fi horror ramp rampant robots murderous ai crazy things coming from a different galaxy oh and also this might all be in your head oh so a little bit of twilight zone too and again, I love Twilight Zone. Now, so we've touched a little, a little bit. So let's talk briefly about the mechanics. It, it basically is a D20 system. You're going to roll a D20. You're going to add modifiers based on what you're doing. And you're kind of trying to hit a target number or a yes. DC pretty much. So anyone who's familiar with D&D, particularly 5th edition, will understand that. But there are there any other subsystems? And I don't want to go too deep into it. But other than just rolling a D20 looking for high numbers, is there anything about the mechanics you'd want to touch on? So there are some pretty cool things. Uh, you've got four abilities, four stats, and they range from positive three to negative three. And for a typical ability check, you roll a D20, add the modifier or subtract it and right. a 12 or better is a success. Okay. So that's reminds me of like shadow of the demon Lord. I think that's yeah, a little bit, a little bit like shadow of the demon Lords, a little bit like, um, oh, what's the name of that game? I always forget deadlands. Um, no savage world, savage worlds. There it is. Yeah. Where you're rolling for success on a particular die. Uh, only okay. we're always rolling a D 20 here. Um, so typically, it's just if you get a 12 or better with anywhere from a plus to a minus three, you succeed. Yeah, I'm not the not a math major, but even a plus three, then you need a nine on the die, which is like a 45%. So yep. you're going to fail more often almost half the time mm-hmm. unless there are other – are there other ways to get bonuses or rebounds? Yes. So if you fail, you earn a void point. Void points are a spendable currency. There's limitations to how many you can have, and you can spend a void point to either give yourself advantage on the roll, and advantage and disadvantage works just like it does in Dungeons and Dragons, or you can use that same currency to activate a cosmic mutation, which is where we (laughs) get the spooky cosmic horror stuff. Do you want to stick to a wall? Do you want to talk to computers? Do you want to teleport or phase between 
places, sure, that's what a void point is for. That sounds really cool. And I'm sure there's no negative consequences ever for doing that, right? Uh, every time you use it, you potentially make it worse. Oh, okay. Yes. I guess I was wrong then. Yes. Yeah. This, this is where <laughs> the death part of the death in space comes in. <laughs> yeah, it can nice. get real bad. Uh, accessing the void too much or when things go wrong, even when you have used that magic power, that's when you trigger – uh, essentially a collapse of reality. And I'll throw this in here because this is a fun part of the book. The majority of this book is all on random tables. Mm, okay. Uh, and I'm not one to enjoy random tables as a rule. It's but an in, acquired taste for sure. In this book and in this setting, it freaking works. Um, there's random tables for everything from character duration from character generation all the way through encounters and running the game, who you meet, NPCs you encounter, the jobs that are available. And I think I like it so much because it really adds to that unknown survival element, that desperate element. Um, you really don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um Having a random table for that cosmic horror element I think is really fun as well because cosmic horror is just crazy crap happening that no one can understand. So rolling randomly from, oh, a robot tries to kill you or reality stops working and now you're gas floating in space. That's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But also really just reading the random tables as someone who might run a game really helps inform you about the game world and helps, helps you act a lot more confidently at the table. So I love it. So okay. And again, in certain games I do, certain games I don't. So it just kind of depends. Again, it's an acquired taste. Uh, you know, your mileage might, var might vary. Yeah. So it, it seems to me like most of the time if you have like what would say a combat encounter, it's going to be against other humans but are there beasts and monsters? Because again, you talk about killer robots, AI, and then the cosmic horror. So is there a bestiary included in the book? There is. Uh, the last section of the book is just called Extras. And that includes everything from a little bit of fluff and lore about the world. So you really understand where you are in this setting. It includes a bestiary of crazy, terrible, mutated, horrible alien creatures. And it also gives you things like random tables for NPCs, jobs, equipment, uh, derelict spacecrafts you might find, things like that. But there are absolutely monsters to fight. Uh, they will absolutely kill you with a bad roll of the die. Um, but yeah, Typically, if you're going to throw down with something, you're probably going to be fighting some other member of society, a person of a, a rival gang or a rival ship that you crossed, uh, a job gone wrong, someone trying to pirate you and gank your ship, that kind of thing. Um, gotcha. A nice element mechanically that's included here is morale. Any oh, okay. NPC uh, – NPCs have a very small stat block, very streamlined very easy to run, very few numbers to work with, super easy. But one of those numbers is morale. And um, there's a variety of rules where you might make a morale roll, but it's going to tell you whether they're going to continue to fight or try to 
negotiate or run away or come to terms somehow. Uh, that's something I think a lot of us who run games kind of include from time to time. Seeing it in the rules and having it be so simple I think is a great addition, especially in a game that is so focused on holding on to that thin thread of survival. Right, yeah. When In a world where it's easy to die and you're fighting other humanoids, then there should be a, okay, I surrender yes. the moment that the battle's not going in your, right, in your way, as opposed to things like in D&D, just as a, a touchstone where most things fight until everyone on the field is dead. I right. mean, different GMs run it differently. I tried not to do that, but I think that's pretty common. You fight 12 goblins, you will kill at least 11 of them and then keep one as a pet. Right. So again, we, you love the game. You've talked through a lot of it. Um, so is there, cause again, you're in space. Is it like a defined section of space? Is there a setting or is it just you're in the void of space and there's like maybe a planet if the DM wants there to be one, or do you have like a star map type of a thing? No, you absolutely have a star map. This game takes place in a specific galaxy that, like I said earlier, has been ravaged by war and the impacts of that war are continuing. Um, there is basically one more or less inhabitable space in this galaxy. And that's where all of the adventures take place. There, it's like one last space station, the last bastion of society. It's falling apart. It's messy. Everyone's terrible. Uh, but there is a lot of information in the book about other things in the galaxy. They're all scary. They're all going to kill you. And it's really hard to travel. Like this game doesn't make space travel easy. It's not just hop in a shuttle and go to another planet, even if it takes a while. This is like, yeah, it might take eight hours to get there. Do you have enough fuel to do it? Do you have enough oxygen to do it? Oh, you want to go over there? That's going to take three years. You want to go? <laughs> oh, you want to jump over here? Lifetime. Like wow. there's even some tables in the book about like hypersleep or – uh, like travel portals, like that hmm. quick space like jump, jump points. Jump, sort of, yeah, okay. let's call it a jump point. I forget the exact name. I'm sorry. Um, but they barely work. And if they do hmm. work, they're very expensive. And that's where the pirates tend to hang out. So if you can even scrape up enough money to do it, it is a massive risk. So can you take that job? Can you save up for that job? What happens if you you fail what happens if you get jumped right as you're about to go like there's a lot yeah. to weigh when you make this decision i just the the image of event horizon the movie also popped in my head that in a world where there's like cosmic horror if you go through a jump point maybe you don't come out in space maybe you come out somewhere else and do you come out as the same people <laughs> like a lot of a lot of the cosmic horror stuff is you change like mm. it might be something as simple as oh your eyes are look like galaxies now and you have weird thoughts in your head. But it also could be, oh, you're a different type of person now. There are different um, origins that you can pick from. You're all basically human, but you might be a regular human or you might be someone who kind of fades in and out of reality because you've touched this spooky void too much. Oh, interesting. Um, so 
Again, I think we've covered most of the touch points for the game. Again, you absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else about the game that you would want to, like if someone else, you're, you're, someone's listening to this, they're like, hey, I might want to buy that game. Is there anything else that you think someone needs to know to help uh, form that decision for them or help help them make that decision? So there's two things. One of them we already okay. kind of touched on. This is not a happy-go-lucky game for everybody. I think it's a great game to play, but you've got to be prepared springing this on a group who's not ready for it, you're probably going to have a bad time. Okay. Uh, I very much recommend a lot of communication. Make sure players know what they're getting into. Make sure you have clear expectations if you're running this game. Make sure you have clear clear boundaries of what's okay and what's not okay because you can very quickly – fall down that well of terrible, terrible, gross, disgusting things happening. You got to be careful. Know your players. Um, But if they know what they're getting into, I think you can have a great game. The other point, and this is incredibly minor, this is a mostly a rules light narrative focused game. There are some elements that are a little bit on the crunchier side. Nowhere near as crunchy as Pathfinder, Dungeons and Dragons, any other typical D20 level based game. But there are some things that are kind of math heavy and crunchy. That being said, a couple of the elements of playing the game are not defined very well. And I do not mean this as a criticism against the book or the authors in general. I believe that it is intended to strengthen that narrative choice. Because the book really tells you this is a shared narrative where you work together to tell a great story. But if you've got players who are a little bit uncomfortable with that freeform narrative control, they don't feel confident in making some bold role-playing choices, some parts of the book are kind of like trusting you to do that. And if they're not comfortable, they may not enjoy it as much. Or if you hand this book to a player, they may be a little bit confused because at some points the rules are like, and again, not a negative, but figure it out yourself. Gotcha. And it's great at a table. I feel very confident doing that. I know the people I typically play with are confident doing that. But if you're dropping this at a convention game or with people who don't have that level of experience, they don't trust each other at the table to kind of play off of each other, might not be as fun as it could be. Right. And I think that, you know, that's a good blanket statement for any game. Communication is key. A strong session zero, if you have those, or con game, a good description. Uh, You know, safety tools, whatever you're comfortable using, like an X card or rewind or lines and veils type of a thing. But again, I know this is kind of supposed to be a scary, uncomfortable game. Yes. But even within that, you can still have... You know, conversations and consent and lines and veils, that's totally fine to do. You can still, as a dungeon master or a game master, make players uncomfortable, but in a way that they are comfortable with. I know that seems like an oxymoron, but that's just like a horror movie. Like, we like horror movies because they scare us, but we also know that it's not real and we're not really going to get got. Mm -hmm. So that's why we enjoy them, because we don't actually have to worry about being murdered by a chainsaw-wielding maniac, at least not most of the time. Right. Uh, Big Al being in Texas, you know, that's a little bit different story. Anyway, um, so the quick question came to mind. So you you mentioned, is this a level-based game? So, like, do you level up and get more power? You said hit points don't really change, but do you get better at, like, shooting or scavenging? Yes, but it's real hard. So this okay. is not a level-based game. 
Uh, there is one page about character advancement, and it's basically uh, you can earn experience by doing different things in the game, and then you spend that experience to improve different things, either um, improving one of your base attributes, getting extra hit points, um, buying new superpowers, cosmic powers. So it's, it's kind of like a resource purchase system. They're pretty expensive. Okay. Um, the, but the questions you have to answer at the end of a game session are not things like, did you kill somebody? Did you find a treasure? Not like typical dungeon crawl. Uh, it's things like, did you learn something new? Did you accomplish something? Did you close a contract? Did you forge mm-hmm. a new relationship with a partner? Did something risky or scary happen? So you're still getting experience and improving yourself, but it's much more about kind of that human survival and interaction instead of hitting a bag of hit points and finding treasure. Forbidden Lands does that as well at the end of every session. You answer, you ask questions about, did you explore a new place? Did you find a new place? Right. And I think that's also a free league. So that's uh, probably a kind of a, a design theme mm-hmm. types of games. Uh, but yeah, so we, we spoiled it at the beginning. You're a big fan of the game. We, you know, With the school aspect here at the RPG Academy, we like to give things a rating system on a scale of C-. minus because that's the lowest we would go. If we don't really like something, we usually don't talk about it. Um, all the way up to an A+, which is this is my favorite thing in the world. This is the game I want to play all the time forever now. So on that scale, where would this game fall for you? I'm going to give this one an A-. Ooh, okay. Very um, good. Very good. I, I really love this game, but it is a niche game. You got to be in the right mood to play it, and it is not for every player at every table but it is a fantastic book it is gorgeous to look at style and tone has been embraced the design of the book is near perfect um there's even a soundtrack to this book you can go Hmm. on spotify you can go on apple music there's an album of of music that just kind of floods you with that tone, that creepy but still sci-fi vibe. There's also a free character creator online. Oh, cool. And it's like super old school, 8-bit, crazy bright color on a black screen. And it's, again, it just fits that vibe of things are old, nothing is new, and it's pretty janky. So Nice. It is a really, really strong product. It's just not the perfect product for everyone and every game style. But what this game set out to do, it accomplished in spades. Fantastic. Well, thank you, um, of course, to the designers and Free League for sending us a copy for yes. review. Thank you for taking that on as our faculty member representative, and you, you did the deep dive into the product. It seems like you really enjoyed it, so I'm, I'm glad it worked out that you were the one that volunteered for it. And uh, again, anyone listening, if you decide to go up, uh, go out and pick up this product, please, you know, tag Free League, uh, tag the designers in a tweet or Facebook comment or email. Let them know that you heard about it from us. We are kind of making a conscious effort to move into a review sort of format. We're going to try to do more and more of them, not just the big things like D&D because they send us the books, but other you know smaller games. So it helps when publishers and designers find out that you heard about games 
for, from a specific, a specific um, reviewer, and we're more likely to get opportunities to review more games in the future. So if you do check out a game because of us, then please let them know that. Uh, so any last words, Caleb, here before we, before we uh, wrap up, sign off? No, this was great. I really enjoyed reading this book. I really enjoyed writing this review. It was fantastic. All right. You, again, you did an excellent job all the way around. Always a pleasure to get to talk to you, my friend. One last thing we're going to start doing here. Uh, this is sort of a combination of my other job now, because I actually have one of those. Uh, games like this are supposed to be fun, even when they're scary, even when they're terrible. They're still supposed to be fun. And when you find yourself not enjoying things that you used to enjoy, that can be a sign that maybe you're struggling with a mental health issue. So from now on, in every episode that we do in the show notes, there will be links to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline as well as a crisis line and to the Trevor Project. So if anybody is listening to this and you're just not feeling right for some reason, please reach out, yeah. uh, whether you use those avenues or, or in another, uh, there are people that are willing to talk to you, trained professionals that can help you uh, walk through things. So again, not trying to bring things down, but that's just a reality of the world we live in. And mm-hmm. right now the world kind of is a maybe worse for some than it has been in a long time. And we want to make sure we're doing our part. Um, yeah. We want you to have fun playing games. And again, that's just one of the, one of the big signs that something's not right is when you're no longer finding fun things that you normally do. Uh, so I just thought that was a good place to put this in. Absolutely. Uh, but before we go, we will say what we always say here, that if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Uh, thanks everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.